Okay, so we're back for another episode of the Upfront and Unfiltered podcast. This week I am joined by former Isle of Man player, former referee and current Douglas High School Old Boys first team manager, John Gartland. Um, the quiet and shy John Gartland, that is. John, how are you, mate? Very good, thanks for inviting me. No, it's good, it's good, and it's good to have you on. How have you been? How's the season been so far for you? The season, um, the players have done absolutely immense I mean, pre-season, we had a great pre-season. Uh, everybody getting fit. Um, not much ball work, just trying to get the fitness, because most of them are in the 30s, and Buckley, I think, 40, 50, nearly 50. Uh, King is old. Cox, and I don't know how old he is, but we have to stop the training so we can get back in the home. Um, but, yeah, got a very old side, but so far they've been brilliant. Be- beginning of the season there, Dean, we lost the first four, but some of them hadn't paid the subs, some of them hadn't trained, so we had to drop some of the first team players. Well, not drop them, but just say you can't play. Um, and they went in the combi side, and the combis got off to a fly, their top of the league, which has left us with a bit of taste. Should I have done that? Should I have not? But the club's in a much better place than it was before I took, I took over. We've got two sides now, one obviously top, and we lost the first four, then we won the next four, then you were there at the game against Duncan. You know what happened. I don't slag referees off, but it was hard playing against 12 men. I, I put that in my match report, John. I, you see in the match report, I was, I was quite honest. I don't think the referee had the best game on that game. But Well, when I say plus, we played against 12 men. I'm, I'm on about the circumstances, you know, the, the conditions of the pitch. Not, not so much the referee, as I can't slag referees off. Um, but we lost that game. We should never have lost that game. And this week, we've got Colby. Well, Colby beat us 2-1 here. And I thought my side played absolutely brilliant, but we've never had a full team out yet. Um, the twins up front have been absolutely sensational for me. The two of them, have, I think they've got seven and six, Cal and Craig, goals between them. King has been immense at the back, but if we could, and JJ, I made JJ the captain. He's younger than everybody else, and King is still vice captain, so if anything happens, King will be stepping in like this Saturday. JJ's away, so. I'm really banking on uh, Kinger and the boys to do the job this weekend. That's good, mate, and, and that's a good little recap of the season. I think to start a podcast, it's you know it's it's a nice way to get going, really. Um, but we're going to throw it back like I do with everyone, okay? And we're going to go back to the start of your footballing days, okay? Right. Now I know because I know you personally, John. I've known you for a long time. Your footballing days didn't start on the Isle of Man. So let's go from there, mate. Let's let's go from the very beginning. What's your earliest memory of getting into football? Oh, Jesus. Well, school, I got picked up at school uh, roughly about 14 to play for Sunderland Boys. So that was that was a big major thing for me, you know, playing oh, for yeah. Sunderland Boys. It was unbelievable. But I only, only managed to get a year in there and then I went back to seeing boys. Um, and then I turned 16 and then Middlesbrough came in looking, looking for... And I ended up going to Middlesbrough between 16 and 18. First, it was the change the manager, and then I went back when I was 17. So I was training and um, playing a few games with Middlesbrough. And then when I was turned 18, I signed on for a team called Dorden. Um, we won the under-18s league, but we had a guy called Terry Fennick playing. Um, he was he was two years older than us, so it was 16 when I was there. So he was 18 when I was 16. And then another guy came along called Nigel Glegon, who just happened to be my best mate. And he played for Man City. Uh, so we won that, we won the league and every scout was looking at the three of us. 
Terry went off to uh, London, Crystal Palace. Nigel didn't get picked up until he was 25 and I was at Middlesbrough. But then I got kicked out of Middlesbrough. Um, I wasn't good enough to tell you the truth. Um, some of the players up there are absolutely superb. Um, and then I came to the Isle of Man to see my sisters and just to get a bit of money to go away to Tenerife for the boys, which I did do. And I fell in love with the Isle of Man. Um, I came back and I signed on for Onken. And I can always remember um, working for Ron Wilson at the Rutland Hotel who had connections with Onken. And he said, right, if you work here, you've got to sign for Onken. So I said, right, that's fine enough, where the train? And he says, Onken Stadium. So I ran up to Onken Stadium from the promenade with my rucksack on my back. And when I got there and I went up them stairs and looked at the, the ground, I thought, bloody hell, this is fantastic. They've got cars flying around. It's a well set up club, this. And then the fellow said, no, no, the train in that Nobles Park. And I met Tony Edmonds for the first time. And I asked him, can I join in the train? And I've just come up and they were a bit iffy with me because they were a bit clicky in them days, Uncle. Anyway, I, I got my trainer gear on and had a little knock around just as they were starting football. And I scored about seven goals in three minutes. And Tony Edmonds was my best mate from, from there. From ever, ever, ever since. Oh, unbelievable. And then I stayed, stayed with Onken for two years. And then James, Sam, Kenny, me, me best, my very best mate, um, came knocking on the Rutland door and he said, would you like to sign for James? Just before I was just about to sign for St George's. So I said, yeah, I'll come down. And, and I met this guy called Albert Harrison. And honestly, he flattened me in the first training session. And I thought to myself, I'd rather be playing with you, son, than playing against you. So I signed for Jim's and we won the Grand Slam that year. And I met uh, Chris Bass, who happened to score 54 goals that year. The, the less known Chris Bass. No one knows him in Bags football, do they? No, 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 no. Uh, I, I always think, you know, his son is a fantastic player. He's got, every, well, Chris Bass Jr. But the difference between the two of them, Bassey was such a winner. I mean, he would he would push Karen out the way to score a goal. He was selfish, where Chris Bass Jr. was a proper footballer. Do you know what I mean? He was real good at everything, but Bassey was just a goal scorer. And I think every club needs them. I mean, I, I need one right now, to tell you the truth. It's just an advert for one, is it, John? You put it out there. Yeah. Anyone anyone that can score goals in Manx football, uh, I'll give you John Gott. Get in touch with me, I'll give you John Gottland's number. Well, hang on. There's a family member I've been trying to tap up with yours, and he, he didn't come. He went to Foxdale, didn't he? Well, yeah, there is that one. I was trying to get him. But, yeah, so... Um, and then I, I got into the Ireland team. Um, I couldn't play for the juniors because I was too busy working for Ron Wilson every Saturday doing functions, which was fair enough. And then the senior Ireland team came in for me and we got to play against Liverpool and Man United and I absolutely scored against Stoke, which is good. Lee Dixon was marking me, the ex-Arsenal player. And then O'Brien played in the, the next year and he scored a goal against Arsenal, so um, against Stoke as well. But the Isle of Man, um, everything about the Isle of Man football back then, in the 80s, there was eight good teams. I mean, absolutely superb teams. And when we won the Grand Slam, we only run it, won it on goal difference. And I looked at Bassey's team, St George's, that won it 10 years in a row. They had all the best players on the Isle of Man and they didn't really have anybody to beat. An, an aging old boy side beat them in one cup final. But back when we played, I played against them. Um, old boys. They had uh, Andy Lodge playing. They had Coxon playing. They had... Wally Purvis in there. I didn't want to mention him, to tell you the truth, but we'll put Wally in. They had such good footballers. Uh, Paul Bell was in. Um, 
oh, what's his name, little fella up front, Prescott was in, um, oh, Brian Garland played, they all boys had a great side, and then if you went to um, Castletown, they had Tabs Tier, the McCulloch's, Basil Kelly, and then if you went to, you could go around, you could, eight good teams, I mean, but now there's, there's nowhere near uh, eight good teams in any league, any of the four leagues in yeah. the Isle of Man, it's just run away with the, with the odd two, it's a bit like Scotland football, Celtic and Rangers now. Yeah, and I, I think that is that a testament to what football was back in the day, or is that just a change to the world, though, isn't it? There's people have got a lot more options to do now. You know, back then there wasn't as many things to do on a Saturday, and people didn't want to go out because the pubs didn't have the three o'clock kickoffs. They didn't have that, did they? It's now people just want to. They can. They've got that option. Oh well, you know, Liverpool United's on on Saturday at half twelve. I can't play this week because I can't come. You know, it, it's one of them. Do you think that's a, a change in the world or do you think it's a, ch- a change for Manx football? Well, I don't understand why Manx football is in the doldrums the way it is. I mean, there's some great coaches on the, on the Isle of Man. Um, and now I look at certain certain teams that haven't got two teams and I'm wondering why you haven't got two teams when Laxey have got four under 16 teams. Yeah. And then you go to Corinthians and they've got a few teams and you go to Peel, they've got a couple of teams. And all these players that come through, they can't play in the two senior sides. So what happens to them? Now Laxius, I've coached at Laxi for eight years. I think it was when Johnny was eight up until he was eight or ten years, eighteen. And Laxi is so well run. They've got Peter Kinnish and uh, Dudley Butt and all them. And they put so much effort in, into the club and fair dues to them. That's, you know, if you put your work yep. in, you get the benefits. And all these other clubs are not doing what they're doing. So fair dues. But when they get to 16, well, 18, I won the, last year, I think it was, the yeah, last year, I won the double with Laxey, where the League and Cup and half of them players have just left now because there's no space for them. Do you know what I mean? The, 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 our rides, the pick, picking all the best players down there and sometimes you forget about the young lads that's coming through. I mean, Kyle Watson, um, Tina Garvey, I, I think st- he's still there. Um, uh, I've got four here. I've got four of the under-18s here. Um, but what a waste. What a waste where the people co- go to uni and come back and get a game straight away. But the way Laxey have run their club for years is absolutely superb. And it's no fault to them that other clubs can't do it. So I don't, I don't see why clubs slag them off. But when they get to a certain age, 16, 17, 18, there's not enough room in them. And I, then you get a few players coming in yeah. different clubs. Yeah, yeah, no. So we've talked about your playing days. We haven't, oh, we well, haven't got the 87 Cup final yet, but if you well, want to skip we can, over that. No, no, John, we, <laughs> can, we, can get to, we can get to that. So we've started out where, where you've started off and where you've got to. Yeah. Okay. So going through that, okay. Where, where do you go after, you know, you've had your, your Grand Slam win at gyms. What's next for you then? Well, um, Falky left, a couple left the, the football team. We, we went on to um, another three or four cup finals. And then I went to Paul Rose where Sam Kenny, Cliffy Dunn, Glenn Bell, myself, Trevor Peace, Nicky Smith. All these good footballers just clicked at Paul Rose. And we won um, three trophies the first year, two trophies the second year. I'll stop you on that, okay? Because I was speaking to John Palmer the other day. Yeah. Okay. And this is a story about Paul Rose. And he asked me to ask you, mm-hmm. what's the best goal you've ever seen in Manx football? Oh, it's got to be the one. He's back healer, is it? I'm not saying anything, John. It's, it's, it's you. Well, well, I was getting to John Palmer because Pully was a fantastic side and then 
And we played in a few finals with John Palmer and um, I got the ball and hit me chest and I just flicked it over to him and he scored a goal. He scored four in that goal and then we broke clear, he had his back to it and he back heeled it into the back of the net. Um, he's some player, John Palmer, you know. But, but the bit you're not telling us, John, is that you were actually shouting to John, weren't you, to backheel the ball? And you didn't mean to backheel it into the net, did no, you? Well, I was in space, you see. I was clean through. And obviously, being a goal scorer, you want to score as many as you go. But the thing with John Palmer is, he had everything. He had absolutely everything. Honestly, I seen him playing goal once and scored a goal. He, beat, he came out down the Brad and beat everybody and put it in the top corner. He, that, that boy is the closest thing. Well, there's a few, there's a few good footballers on the Isle of Man who could, should have been a pro. Didn't have to be in the Premiership or the Championship. He could have been a third or fourth or even the Championship. He, he, he actually had it and the pace he had was phenomenal. But he could go past players. Um, another fellow I've just seen lately is a, a young lad called Kyle Watson and Tina Garvey who are both in the FC Isle of Man team. I've coached them for a few years. Them two are superb. I can see them two playing in a, a third and fourth division team as well. There, there'll be some scouts watching them soon. And maybe hopefully getting paid. Well, I think I think that that's you know nothing on FC Alaman. That is the ultimate aim of FC Alaman, isn't it? It's to get give the talent of Manx football a platform within the UK and to get noticed. And you're you're mentioning a couple of names there. There's probably five or six lads that are playing for FC Alaman that potentially will get noticed at a younger age. Whereas if that wasn't around five six years ago. Do you think, do you, do you, like, what is your thought on FC Alleman on that? Well, FC Alleman, well, I went for the Alleman job and I never got it. Um, Blaine Slattery got it. And he's actually playing for me now, which is, and he's been, so far he's been so, so good. Um, FC Alleman, do you know what? It's a good and bad thing for the Alleman. I prefer to see it as a good thing. Yeah. All, the, all the top players get to go away. Obviously, um, Jones, you won't be able to keep the same side week in and week out. Um, I told them three or four years ago about um, Tina Garvey, Carl Watson, and what do you call the little fellow up front, little Tom Crea. Yeah. And they didn't, they didn't really go for them. And I said to them, and the three of them are in it now. And I also said, there's a guy called Will Kearns who plays for me. He's at university, and I think if you come up and have a look at him, he's six foot four, centre half, young, fit, but he's at college. So when they go across, they could actually. You know, instead of sending third, four, fifteen, sixteen, they could send fifteen, and Will's over there willing to play. He's the kid's got us. Yeah, and you know, I think this comes back. We, you know, we've talked a bit about your playing days, but if we go back to your coaching days as well, just when when you finish playing, you've got that experience. I know personally, you've been through the Centre of Excellence. You've had a lot of youth teams, and you've coached a lot of the young players that are now probably playing at higher levels on the island or even away. Um, so what what do you think about that like the, the youth talent on the Isle of Man brilliant um, like I said there's some really good coaches obviously you get the odd one that just because his son's playing but um, there's one gone off to Scotland um, we don't even know he's gone to Carlisle I was switched to Carlisle young Robbo from Corinthians he's gone to Chesterfield is it Chesterfield well them two will be Chester or Chesterfield the two, the two kids I'm talking about have both been in my under 16s Ireland team for 8 years Yep. so I'm, I'm happy with them They've they've progressed, but there's other other good players. Cliffy Dunn's lad's pretty good. If you see young Ellis play for Peel, I think he's just turned 16 this year, and he's superb. 
and I think he's going to be a talent on the Isle of Man. Young Eddie New, um, oh, Eddie Newell's lad. What's Chester Bell. Chester Bell. I've had him since he was eight. Um, brilliant. I watched him against uh, playing for Corinthians the other day. Him and Rob, um, and Robbo and Young Watterson. The three of them were playing in the combi, and I thought, what a great little setup. But they should be in the first team now. If you play for the Isle of Man under 16s and under 18s, you should not be playing in any combi side. Um, there's another lad called George Kearns, which is uh, the brother of Will. He was going to sign for me this year. He wished he had now. You still can before Christmas, by the way. Um, but they're playing in combi setups and they're not going to get the experience. The likes of Paul Jones ain't going to be looking in combis for these, these superstars coming through. So if them four players were playing here, yep. they'd be playing in the first team right now. Yeah, and, and that's it. So we'll keep it on your, your footballing terms. After Paul Rose, what happens after Paul Rose for you? Injuries. And then um, I thought, you know what? I'll, I'll take up refereeing because, you know, I didn't want to be out of the game. So I, I refereed for, I think it was six years. And um, I think I did all right with refereeing and winning five trophies in five years wasn't bad. But I sort of like going with the players yep. and I could talk to them. And if I've made a mistake, I'd say, listen, I've made a mistake there, lads. And there's certain things like referees now, they're not as good as the referees we had before. I mean, you're talking about Kevin Maitland, the smile and the sass. And when he started smiling, you know you're going in the book. Um, Gary Roberts, ex-chief police. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely superb. Norman Mackey. Now, these three fellas I've mentioned were the best referees by far. Uh, Andy Lodge is probably one of the best referees now. Yeah. Uh, other than that, there's not that many good... The, the, the old ones are still doing it. And they were good in the day, don't get me wrong. But we need some talent through. My son-in-law, uh, he's he's took it up. He's coming through the ranks. I've been to see him a couple of times, and um, a lot of people have had um, good things to say about Joe. So, good luck to him. But the refereeing standard today is the the. I don't know if they're shy some of these referees or they can't stand up to these bully you know players. But Kevin Maitland and Gary Roberts just pulled you, and when they pulled you, you listen to what they said. Yeah. Now these kids seem to be arguing, arguing, arguing. And it, and it just doesn't look good. So I prefer the old referees to the new referees. Yeah, um, but I've got another question here. It, it probably relates to your refereeing days. And it's come from someone we both know very well, Robbie Ward. Oh, right, go on. And he wants to know, what's your favourite moment that you've annoyed your brother, I think he means Popeye here, on a football pitch? Wow, well, <laughs> nice one, Robbie. Um all boys were playing Geordies and it was a big match at, at Geordie. So um, John Higginbotham went up and I was I was mic'd up and I had a, a video camera on me. And um, St. Georges were on the tack, so I'm in their half and then the ball gets played up to Popeye who hits it first time and apparently it went in the stanchion from about 35 yards. But I couldn't see it go over the line. So I shout... And Brian and all the rest of the players were in the corner celebrating and I shout, play on. I couldn't say it all, which I couldn't. I could have given it in hindsight because everybody had stopped playing. But because it was him, I thought, no, play on. And honestly, you should have heard what was on that mic. So at the end of the game, I sent it to my mum and said, this is what your son's like. Uh, there was a few Fs and a few Gs. And, but yeah, I just allowed probably the best goal he's ever scored in his life. Thanks, Robbie. Yeah, so, and uh, apparently, apparently, um, 
you denied Lee his son the same sort of thing was it it might have even been in the same game it was in the same game but you, you've got to you've, I've got to, you know I can't have favourites you know what I mean um, yeah I did but they went on to win 4-2 and I did give Brian up a penalty um, so, and Wise lying there I said I'll just give you a penalty soft lad and he goes oh, it was a penalty you get effing this and effing that and uh, he thinks he's tough but he's not really well, I, I, there's a few people at Manx Football that might disagree with that, but mm. we'll, we'll go on with that. So, um, another question, um, just from your playing days, okay? So, before you're refereeing, before you go into coaching, and it's from Hattie. And Hattie just wants to know, what was your most memorable match that you ever played in? Wow, Hattie. The 87 Cup final was great because, different different reasons, Hattie, um, my sister had died in October 86. She died of cancer, she was 31. So um, I had to go home for the funeral and I didn't want to come back. So the boys had got to the semi-finals and they phoned me up and said, do you want to come back? And um, they phoned me mum up because I was devastated. So was the rest of the family to tell you the truth. But I know on, in football, Probably everybody, you know, most people have a tragedy in their lives. Yep. I, I was with my sister Marie who died too young. But the boys phoned me up and phoned me mum up and they got me plane tickets and they, I came back to the Isle of Man in December, played in the semi-final. Well, I was sub. And then uh, I went home again and then they phoned me up again and they said, listen, I know you don't want to come back. You only did it for the semi-final, but we decided to put you on the bench again for the final. So I decided to come back. My mum said, go back to the Isle of Man and play. So I came back to the Isle of Man and it was the 63rd minute, as Hattie very, very well knows, they brought me on and I scored a hat-trick in the, in, within 15 minutes. And we won the game 4-1 against Russian, um, which was probably one of my most memorable. And the other one, Hattie, it was probably when I played for against Newcastle and Stoke, I missed the sitter against Newcastle, which was I was good. But the Stoke one, I I beat Lee Dixon, turned him inside out and put him in the bottom corner. And we were winning 1-0 with 15 minutes to go, but the Island got beat 3-1. That was that must have been some game back in the day, you know, getting the opportunity to play against them sort of people as well. You know, the Steam Packet Cup and things like that, when they brought them teams over, must have been just some experience for you. Well, the Isle of Man, that, that was one of the best things in the Isle of Man. They brought seven professional teams over and um, the eighth one was the Isle of Man. So I got to play against St Mirren, Portsmouth, Newcastle, Liverpool, Man United. Um, I missed the game against Sunderland when they came over in 86 because I had to work and I didn't like to ask Ron Wilson. He was furious that I didn't ask. He didn't even know I was picked yeah. for the Isle of Man team. But I was, you know, I, I was here to do a job for Ron Wilson. But... Um, yeah, some of the some of the games. I mean, Robbie Ward's dad. Yep. Um, he played in um, most of them. He's probably the. I don't like to put say the best, but he probably was the best goalkeeper on the Isle of Man. And I always remember which whichever game we were playing in. That uh, after the game, uh, he got approached to be a professional footballer. Yeah. And he, he turned it down. I think um, he would have done well, John. Yeah, no, that that's fair enough. So, but 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 say that the the young lads these days. I've coached um, the Island under sixteen. I think the seventeen now. So eight years ago, I've took them to Everton with Mark Watson. Uh, we done uh, eight years, and we went to Goodison Park and played every single year, and then invited Everton over. So these lads in the under 16s 17s 
I've had a fabulous time. Yeah. Um, that, are they the trips that when you, I believe, is it when you walk into Finch Farm, isn't it? Wherever in train. Yeah. Um, you just go over and there's a lot of lads from Hong can go over and does Dave Quirk and Brian Callow go over with you? And they're on first name terms now because you've been going over that long, aren't they? Well, Brian Callow and Dave Quirk, yeah. I set it up with Brian Callow. Um, there was a man who wanted to give me money to yep. coach. And his son was here on the Isle of Man. Um, I was his spokesman at the time. I just rocked up and uh, introduced myself. And he says to me, is there anybody, um, any good teams on the Isle of Man? I said, well, I coach, coach a team. And I'm looking at his young lad. And I'm saying, you can come down with um, Ballycommune School on Thursday. So it was outdoors. And I can always remember his dad coming to pick him up. And the next day I met his dad and his dad said, how did he get on? I said, oh, he's, he was all right, nothing special. And he went, what, nothing special? He's in an academy across. And I'm going, honestly, mate, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. Like, you know, I didn't see, I, I said, he's good, but you know, nothing special. He goes, you do know he's only eight, don't you? And I went, oh, in that case, he's absolutely brilliant. I, I thought he was 10, he was a big lad. Um, and his dad decided to give me some money and Brian Callow put some money in and these young lads from the age of six, seven, we formed a, uh, like an island team before the island team, like an academy. Yeah. And then they went on to play for the Isle of Man. But we, Brian Callow and Dave Quirk set it all up. We went to Finch Farm. They were on first team, first name terms. Yeah. Even when we got to the door, I can always remember saying, oh, hi, Brian, yeah, straight in. And I was thinking, how the hell do you know his name? But everything in Finch Farms blue. Right. Uh, unbelievable place. We were welcome. No photographs were taken. Only the coaches could do it at the end of the game with the two teams. Yeah. Uh, the first year I went there, uh, Everton beat us 8-0. And then he said, well, well, we'll put the B team, the B academy out. Yeah. And we did really well against them. And that's the team we played. I can always remember we brought the team over from Everton and young Jamie Carr, who died. Yeah, yeah, Jay well, Carr, yeah. He his, was at Royals, he was at Royals for years. Well, his son was uh, there at the Everton match and uh, I asked him if he could be mascot and yes, he could be mascot so he, and the Everton coach was furious with me that I didn't ask before because um, when they were playing the Isle of Man team, they went, the Everton went 3-0 up and the next thing is he put young Jamie Carr's son on, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. Josh, I think Josh. it is. And he got on, they got a penalty, he sorted the penalty in and then they'd give him a t-shirt and they carried him around the pitch and it was that that's what Everton's about. I know you were red, but Everton Junior set up and all that set up in Finch Farm, they were superb. And that young lad will have that great memory for the rest oh, of his life. He's played for Everton, hasn't he? You know, at the end of the day he's gone back to school on the Monday and gone, play for Everton at the weekend. And he actually did. Yeah. He actually did. This I mean, this Everton side, you can ask Kawerki, they used to love coming to the Isle of Man because they could be kid kids. Yeah. They played Barcelona in the semi-final and beat them 2-1 and then played PSG in the final and beat them 2-1 then flew back to the Isle of Man with the parents all the parents were here as well and they loved the Isle of Man because they could just be kids do what they want and, and no pressure on them oh honestly it was superb just what and these kids could play football by the way yeah they, they were superb I'd say it and I, this is nothing against the Isle of Man the Isle of Man's a small place they've got a talent pool to pick from haven't they you know the whole of the North West if them kids are good enough and the scout approaches them, they've got the best chance, haven't they? Well, they asked me if, who was the best under-12s on the Isle of Man. Give me a player. They were setting up a, a team to play um, a Man City, Man United, who these 15 players have lodged together for you, you yeah. know, since they were kids. So I said, young team, the Garvey's probably the best player on the Isle of Man at, at, at under-12s. 
He went to Everton for a trial. He played in the, the Everton 12. He started the game. He tried to take a young lad on down the right-hand side. Uh, the left-back took the ball off and pinged it. Did it again. The coach said, if he does that again, he's getting hauled off. And then Tienan got into his flow, cut inside. And the Everton team won 3-2. And Tienan set the winning goal up against him. Um, but he was playing with better players. When you play with better players, it makes you a better player. Yeah. And he he didn't he didn't look like he he shouldn't be there because he's that sort of kid. He could just fit into any team. Yeah. Even when he was sixteen, he was playing with us, and he and he was brilliant. Um, there's a few players like that in the Alam. And Dean Pinnington's another one. Uh, when Everton come across, it was him and Baines and Dean Pinnington playing, and I was the manager that day. And they wanted to come over here because they're not allowed to use the full length pitch on any games Everton. So what we did over here is. I moved the the goals to the six yard areas, yeah. and we had a full game. And Dean Pinnington and young 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 Sam Baines were the best two players on the pitch that day. Get uh, it was the under fourteens. Uh, we got B four one, and I think Pinny scored the goal. But Baines was outstanding that day. Him and Pinny ran the show, and Everton wanted to see Pinny. But I think they were looking at the two of them at the end of the day. So there is talent on the Isle of Man. We just got to get it at that age and, and carry it forward. And nurture it. Yeah, nurture it. So. Right, your playing days, you've ended them with injury, you've gone into refereeing. Yeah. Um, you've said you, you enjoyed your refereeing, you quite enjoyed it, but then injury again yeah. comes about, you can't do it anymore. You, how then do you go back into coaching football? Is it through Johnny? Is it is it just as a parent? Is it? Yeah, both of them. Johnny, my son, yeah. um, and uh, being his parent, you want, I'm there every week, so I might as well do something. So Peter Kinnis asked me to take over. Um, me and Gary Crittenden. Gary is a great. Gary is a great coach. Um, so we took these laxi from they were eight up to the ears seventeen, eighteen. They've won the double. They've won a few few trophies all the way through, um, and I loved it. And then I did a bit for Royals many years ago, and I and I'm now sixty. And all boys came up, and I just thought, do you know what? My son's up here. Kinga wants to retire. He wants to. Robbie Ward might want to keep his boots going because there was talk of them two being manager. Um, I would say at the moment I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying this because I've got our Carl. Um, he's good. He's doing all the coaching and he's in my ear that I'm picking the wrong players and you know why don't you try him and he's very very good at it and he's very keen um, and he's even that keen he sponsored us Manx Quality Sheds. Not only has he sponsored all boys and so does Jax by the way. Jax is our number one sponsor and we do go down to Jack's every so often and have a few pints down there, watch a few matches. And then our Carl's just signed um, a contract for the FA Cup for Manx for the next three years, hasn't he? Yeah. Is it the FA, yeah? I think it's, a, is it the Hospital Cup or the, uh, it's, it's the Hospital Cup. Is it the Hospital, not the FA? I think it's the Hospital Cup that he's done. No, is he sure? I'm pretty sure it's the Hospital Cup that he's right, done. It's one of them and he's, he's sponsored that for the next three years. So Manx Quality Sheds, um, the boys, the, even I've bought one this week. I bought a quality shed. I've actually You've bought, bought a shed. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's good, it's good. Um, so on that, there's a question that's come in about old boys. Okay. I won't say who it's from because they, they've asked me to keep it anonymous, which is fair enough. Um, and they just want to know is, how have you felt coming back down to Division 2 after being relegated. Obviously, you were around the team last year, John. You were around the squad anyways. You weren't a manager, but you were around here every week at All Boys. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, we're recording this at All Boys Clubhouse tonight. You know, 
you were up here every week, you were involved every week, you had an opinion, you know, you're not the quietest of people. Um, have you found it a struggle coming down to Division 2? Did you think it would be a lot easier than it is for a club like Old Boys who've just been relegated? Well, uh, I wouldn't say it was easier. I watched um, Old Boys last year under Tommy and Colin, Tommy Miller, who was the manager last, last year, and I don't slag anybody off, you know that. Uh, Tommy Miller's probably the best coach, one of the best coaches I've ever seen. And some of the decisions that were out there, they were fantastic old boys, playing the best football, but they couldn't, they couldn't finish teams off. And the first four games of this era, it's exactly the same. We've dominated. There's only Michael who beat us 5-0 in the first half. After that, we beat them. We got beat off Foxdale 3-2. I had seven combi players in there, and although I think Foxdale did edge it, we did very well. I, th- I, th- I went. I was actually at that game. I went. I came I down. We did very well, I came down, we? and do you know what? I think there was some indecision that probably could have led to a couple of goals, and I think you struggled early on. But once that sort of got out of the system at half time, I think you were a better team in the second half. There was just it was lapses of concentration to get you through. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. It was. Well, young Jacob Stones, he misses at least three chances every every week. And I say to Jacob Stones, mate, you're the best player I've ever seen in getting in the right positions, and it will come. And he's, he's scored a few goals now. Yeah. But I've never seen anybody get in the right positions as much as I see him. Do you know what? And, and it, it's no shame to anyone, listen. It's no, you know, it's nothing. I was involved with old boys for years, right? Jacob Stones is the most Thursday footballer I've ever seen. He is, on a Thursday night, in front of a goal, prolific. Yes. And then it comes to a Saturday, and I don't know what happens to him, but it's just not there. I think that's what you're saying, isn't it? Yeah, well, Tuesday last night he played, and and all the boys are like that. Wow, he scored about 40 goals in in training last night. Taking them on, pushing King, him and King, and he's banging goals in. But there's something that happens to him on a Saturday. It'll come. He's not frightened. He's not... Oh, no, no, he's a big lad. And he's quite... He's quite... I wouldn't say intelligent because that's being very complimentary oh, to Jacob. He's a lovely lad. He's, he's a nice lad, though. But it it will come. I, I think that every striker does have their time, don't they? I, and any striker that's played in Manx football will probably tell you that. Yeah, he's got a lot of talent. You've got to remember, he's only 18. And he's coming in, he's getting all these chances. Um, we're not the best team in the league, but I don't think there's anybody better than us, to tell you the truth. We've got a big one on Saturday against Colby. The other week against Onken, I was so disappointed that we I had to stay away from the referee and our call went over. Didn't say anything. Some of the decisions in that game, well, you know what, I, I, I've, I've been a referee and I've had bad games, but I, I like to explain to people, you know, I'm sorry I got that wrong, or, you know, this is what I think, but I stayed away. Um, last week, Castletown beat them 1-0. Uh, so the games are coming thick and fast, but we can't, we can't lose any more now. Yeah. And that's it. And so, has it been? Do you think the players? You know, Old Boys has hasn't got the biggest for, the biggest squad to choose from players to try and if you need to replace them. You know, your combi each week is probably picked on a Saturday morning. Your combi manager Richie is still scratching around some weeks. Yeah, you've got a big load of players registered. It's just the availability isn't there for a reason or another. Do you think? the players that you can bring in are good enough to get you promoted? Some of them are, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, Richie, Richie last year didn't have a team. See, that, this is the difference between this year and last year. Um, 
what's the is the junior cup we couldn't put a team in the junior cup because there was no players yeah so this year i've rallied around got some people signed on um the combi's doing really well obviously yeah. they had a few first teamers in for the first few games because people that's discipline though isn't it, it it's you you're setting a ground rule for your reign as manager by not allowing players who haven't paid their subs haven't contributed to the club the the privilege of playing and representing the first team yeah yeah, and they know that now. They know that I'm not trying to be the BIM or. And I, I mean, you've got your Robbie Wards, you've got your Kingers, you've got your Twins, Cal and Craig, you've got your Coxons. They've got the even Buckley in the combi now. Buckley played the first four games for me, and we lost four. And I can't put my finger on why we lost the first four, but it'll come to me later on. But Buckley's got old boys right through. You know what I mean? And now Buckley's gone into the combi and he's become the leading goal scorer. And if he's getting everybody rallying them round in the combi and they're winning the league, which is great because we need a trophy up here. But now the first team, I've got to, I've got to pick the best players now because everybody's playing. Everybody's on on the same hymn sheet up here. We're all out on Saturday night. We all meet after the cl- in here for a few beers and burgers and all that. Everybody's on the same hymn sheet. Nobody in that league is better than us. I'm telling you that now. But we've got to put the ball in the back of the net to beat beat teams, and it'll come. Do you think though, like the players that you've named there, like I'm not I'm not averse to saying that they're older players, okay, for for Manx football in terms, and a few of them are prone to a little injury here and there. Do you think come the end of the season, if you don't get promoted, how do you think that's going to affect you having an older first team squad? Um. I, th- I think most of them will retire. Some of them will retire. I mean, Callum Craig, they go through a first they, aid bag. I think they've retired three times already, haven't they? Been the best two players this year. Honestly, best two players. Them two, Kinga, Coxon, Robbie, all the old ones. Yeah. Showing the young ones how to do it. But their legs can't carry them for 90 minutes. So when I say come off for 15 minutes or something, they know that, you know, recharge the batteries and they can go back on. But... You can't fault the players. Even the fitness, we're the best team in every second half. You've just mentioned against Voxdale, funny enough. Um, so the fitness is there. These old guys, we're at the gym, um, down Stumpy's gym three weeks, and there were all the old ones are down there. Don't know where the young ones are. Tuesday and Thursday, Callum Craig are there, never miss it. Coxon's there, never misses it. Robbie Ward never misses it. All the old ones are training better than the young ones. So... Is there a culture where these young ones have got something better to do? What you, one of the questions you asked, I think you're probably right. But if you need to be successful, you've got to be like Peel, Corinthians and Laxey and they have a good junior setup. And is that something you're aspiring to up here? Is that something you're trying to bring in from, even from a first team manager? Is that something you're pushing with the committee? Well, the committee, you, I think you were at one of the meetings, I wanted an under fives, under sixes, which I would have took because I've got the badges and I'm trying to get our Carl to get his badges so he can start coaching up here. Because some of these older players up here have all got kids and uh, to set a junior set aside up here would be brilliant. It's got everything up here. Everybody uses it. The clubhouse is going to bigger in yeah, a couple yeah. of years time it's got the um... we'll get on to that in a second because right. that, that, that's something else I want to discuss but yeah I think do you think then that that is the biggest hindrance for all boys to, to push on if they don't get promoted is not having a junior set up and, and something to feed through when these older lads that are carrying you at the moment are are gone well St George has sort of like lost their junior set up 
and now they've only got one team. Yeah. Um, Peel haven't lost their set. Peel have kept there all the way through. Corinthians, whoever Tony Meppham yeah. runs that club, brilliant up there. They've got set up after they're, set up. They're, they're thriving up. up there, yeah, yeah. But Laxey are the same. And now Laxey, they everybody who trains at Laxey trains in Douglas. Yeah. So you've got to take your hat off to the committee at Laxey. They they run that club superbly. There's nobody trains at Laxey. They're all coming to Douglas and train. So to Peter Kinnish and all them boys who've ran Laxey, well done. All boys have got to do the same. They need a junior setup now. Yeah. And that's it. And we're talking about all boys, you know, we're finishing off your sort of Manx footballer journey here before we go on to the next stage of this podcast. Um, for me, I've just seen, I know the planning permission's gone in now, hasn't it? They're yeah. waiting for for approval um, to make the clubhouse bigger, putting a roof terrace on it or extending it out. Yes, it's for the camp and which without the camp and I don't think this club could run, could it? You know, TT weekend. Colin does a good job, doesn't he? Yeah, without without that, you'd not have the funding. So it needs to be done. But do you think that'll attract more people up here, more events, and, and help the club grow, not just with players and stuff, but financially and become more secure and more stable? Yeah, totally, totally. Um, facilities at every club is, is a big thing. Yeah. Now, I look at Royals, and they've got a great pitch up there, but they haven't got any facilities in there. They don't go in the bar or anything like that, but they seem to... Fitzy seems to attract the good players up there. So we've got to get a couple of young lads down here, which will bring the mates and look at the facilities and the pitch and in here and come and have a beer and all that, sit and watch the telly, watch the football match. I think that is the way forward, Dean, yeah. Yeah, and that, that's a good thing to do. So that's your Manx footballing days, okay? So we've gone through your days as a player. You might have won a couple of trophies. You haven't mentioned the Grand Slam there, John, at all, have you? Um, I think it was nine cup finals in a row, wasn't it? I'm not too sure. But yeah. I played with... Do you know what? 87 cup final was brilliant, but if you think... If you look at the team I played in with... I mean, I had Sam Kenny, Nicky Gerrard, Albert Harrison. Probably... Albert was probably the... Not many people know this, but Albert played for the Isle of Man team against Burnley and Joey Jones was playing. Hard man, one of hard Welsh man. I think he played for Liverpool, didn't he, as well? Joey Jones left back possibly and Albert had him on toast but this guy was supposed to be hard he hit Albert and Albert hit him back and Albert had the best game of his life him and um, Rob Wakenshaw was playing in the same game yeah. and I've never seen professional footballers like be uh, shrink yeah. if that's the right word without swearing um, Albert was superb at gyms. If there's any trouble, I mean, I remember playing down Castletown with the two McCulloughs, two of the hardest men, and, and Albert wouldn't let them off the pitch until they shook hands because there was, it was a, it yeah, was a, it's proper, a thing to do. Yeah, and they shook hands and tabs tea and all that. Um, Gary Blackburn at the back with Vinnie Vinnie Ellison. Gary Blackburn was outstanding at the back. Brian Osborne, uh, our goalkeeper, Mad Quinney, Robbie Quinn, absolutely brilliant goalkeeper. We had the best side ever. Falky on one wing, Ray Hicks on the other, me and Bassey up front. And we only won it on goal difference. We won the Grand Slam, beat everybody all the way through, but eight good teams. Mm-hmm. But the, the hat-trick in the cup final, I came on after 73 minutes or 70, 63 minutes, and Martin Feely had ran their centre-half ragged, and I just come on and finished it off, to tell you the truth. But... It's three goals in a cup final, isn't it, John? You can't yeah. take that away. Oh, nobody else. Do you know why as you get older, these are your memories. And you, 
I think my lad Johnny's heard it every single day of his life. So. Well, yeah, I, I, I've been in your house, John. I've seen their medals as soon as you walk in the door, you know. It's, all a, tro- hung up. it's a trophy room, isn't it? Well, it's not a cabinet. It, yeah, it's, it's, it, some people say it's a walk in wardrobe, but we'll go with trophy room, mate. You're we'll, in my wardrobe anyway. Ask Julie, mate. Ask Julie. I will, don't worry. Uh, it's all right, mate. Um, no, so that's your playing days. So we'll move on. But before we do, I've got another question here. Um, from someone you know very well, and you know his dad very well, actually, Tom Cowan. Yeah, oh, great guy, great dad. Yeah, and he's got well, he's got two questions for you. Okay, the first one is: is how does Ryan Gartland compare to Popeye in football and terms? Oh, great question! Uh, in fact, I just answered: is Brian's a ten and Ryan's a nil? That it's, simple. No, Ryan's got Ryan's a great little player. Do you know what he is? A, I'll, I'll not put him down because um, I've watched him. I've watched him grow over the years, and he's got better and better and better. But he ain't ever, and I mean ever, going to be in the same same room as Popeye. Popeye was absolutely brilliant. He was a. He was. I saw him score five goals against Jordy, so nobody would go near him. And Rob Waitingshaw was playing on that side as well. Yeah, Ryan's a good player, but I always go for the older players. Yeah, no, that's fine, that's fine. And Tom's second question, he just wants to know who your favourite ever neighbour was. Um, the Cowan's funny enough, I was always <laughs> up there. I moved up um, near Tom, uh, Johnny was three, we, everybody was packing, you know, as you do, you move in a house, it's not a very yeah. good father, father story, this, but Johnny went missing and he'd walked up the road went in the Cowan's house, sat on the Cowan's couch at three years old and Tom's playing there, Call of Duty with him on there and he sent a message down, if you've lost your son, he's up here. So he'd become one of the best neighbours I've had and his dad, Peter, I don't think you'll ever get a better fellow than him. Yeah, no, that's good. So, right, John, so we're over the your part of Manx football, okay? Right. Now I want your opinion on right. Manx football, okay? So to you, at the moment... The whole of Manx football, what's the best thing about it? Well, if, if, if you can get two teams out, which all boys can, uh, is a good thing. Manx football's gone back a little bit, I would say. Whether FC Alamance took the best players away, uh, I don't know. Um, there's no crowds anymore. Like when we played, there was like at least 50, 60, 70 people at every game. Every game. Um, we played... We played down Foxdale, it must have been probably the one of the 30 or 40. I think there was about 30 people down yeah, there. When which I was, was a big there. crowd, yeah, yeah. really, you know what I mean? And, and um, so Foxdale are attracting a few players. We played against D&D, there was nobody there. So it's, it's a bit of a shame that people don't come out and watch it, but just to try and get two teams out as a chore now. Yeah. Um, is Manx football on the decline? Of course it is, because of uh, the lack of kids coming through because maybe certain teams have got four teams and then they discard the, the worst and they don't play anymore and they keep the best, which is no fault of their own. I mean, that's what they have to do to keep the club oh, running. Oh, that's football, isn't it? Yeah, I'm all for that. And if I could get that at all, boys, I would. But yeah, I would say there's not as many good footballers now as there was when I played, definitely. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's I'd, I'd agree with that. Is there anything in Manx football at the moment that you would really go out and try and change 
It's a it's a one change in Manx football. What's the one change you'd make in Manx football? Well, a lot of people are saying about three tier football, three leagues. The leagues is working. You just got to get the people in it. Change change football. Would I change the FA? Um, when I didn't get the job to be the FA, uh, the Alaman coach, and then three people on the panel give it the blame without any. Um, I mean, I've got my badges. Um, Johnny Myers went for it, and Blaine Gorton, well done to Blaine. They, they come ninth in the Ireland team. I'll see him on Saturday about that. But he's he's a great coach. He's coming here and he's going to help our call when I'm not here. But would I change anything in my people on about Tony Meppham? Now Tony Meppham's the manager of uh, them. He's the chairman. Of the chairman of Corinthians. He's also on the radio. Um, he's doing. I think Tony Meppham does he's a great job. He's the head of the fixtures. He's the president of the FA. Right. Honestly, I I see some of the work you know Tony does behind the scenes is. He, he just doesn't stop, yeah. you know. And he, at the end of the day, he works every hour of the day as well. He's still a working man. This but everything he does is voluntary. I always say to Tony, I always remembered watching down um, Ramsey. Um, there was a cup final down there, and I stayed behind. And Tony Metman was the only one that brought the trophies out, set it all up, set the table out, put the cloth over. When everybody threw, he was the only one that got the, tr- the bench back in his van everything else, and then drove off. So when people say Tony Metton's got too many irons in Manx football, I don't think he has. I think he's the one who's doing all the work. Um, would I change anything about Manx football? Well, Tony Meppham, um, he was slagging me off on the radio when I did the St George's game, when, when I sent an all-boys player off, and he, was, he wasn't even at the match. And he said, John Garners has lost it at all-boys, and I was furious, and I spotted him, and he, was, and he said, yeah, Johnny, there's the mic. Tell everybody what you what the referee side of it. So he's very fair. Yeah. Um, he's approachable and he's doing all the work. Same as Laxey. People say, oh, Laxey got four, four under sixteens, four under twelves, four. They're doing all the work. People who slag people off on Manx football are the ones who don't do any work, and uh, I don't like that. I don't like bullies as you very well. I've knocked all the bullying out of all boys. Just Buckley, I just need to sort him out. He's the biggest bully here. Get your applied there for Christmas if you want, John. He's too big, Buckley, actually. He's just... he's just. But, Mepham, is he a good thing for Manx football? Yes, he is. Yeah, and, and do you know what? As I say, he does a lot, a lot of work behind the scenes that people don't see. And it probably does go underappreciated. And I've gone on record many a time and said Tony does, does a great job for what he does. It's all voluntary. He doesn't get paid for any of it. He, he does not get he, he can take I'll tell you now the only thing Tony Meppham takes out of Manx football is he takes money out for a phone and that's so he can be in contactable with people and for what he does that minimal amount is nothing well he's probably made a few mistakes over the years doesn't uh, everyone we're all human though so 99% of what Tony Meppham does is brilliant for Manx football yep. and the 1% the 1% where he made a mistake with me and then he said, yeah, Johnny, there's the mic, you tell everybody. And I thought that was brilliant of him. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. And that's it, and that's that's it. That's good. Um, we'll throw in another question now, John, just while I'm here. Um, it's from Tom O'Neill, okay? Yeah. And Tom has asked you, who this, de- this season, in terms of teams and players, have stood out for you so far? In the championship, in this, in, in your division, in your division, um, Michael, the first half, um, very, very good. They beat us five nil. The first half, we beat them, changed it around a bit. We beat them two one. The second half, uh, Foxdale, 
Yeah. Uh, the big fellow up front. Jay. I hate him for not coming. Um, he's been outstanding. Um, who else have we played? Clint, um, Castletown, you know, three points each. Cardi, ex-Ireland player. Um, Pat had him in his pocket on Saturday, I, I do believe. I was away on holiday. I, I wasn't there, mate, but I did I did listen to the Manx 40 pod last week and they did mention that. Yeah, he was very good. Cardi's a great player and Pat's a very good player for me. Um, Ongan have got a couple of great little players. I, I have to... Although the beat was 2-1, I didn't think we deserved to get beat 2-1. And if I'm being honest, as you very well know, they got lucky with a penalty and, um, well... It was great. It was a great watch for me, though, on the sideline. You and Ozzy Moore, I think, was probably one of the funniest comedy shows I think I've ever seen on the sideline of Manx football. Yeah, as long as you shake hands at the end of it. Yeah. That's, that's the end, you know. Oh, it yeah. It could have been blows, but um, I told them straight... He's a, bit, he's a big lad, isn't he? No, he's not a small lad, is Ozzy. I need O'Brien for him. Um, yeah, very nice man. Uh, at the end of the game, we all shook hands and all went home happy. Yeah, yeah, you all had a laugh and that was it. So, Tom's second part of his question wants to know, and, and this is putting you on the spot a little bit as a manager, what two teams do you think will get promoted this season? Uh, old Boys and... Foxdale. Do you think Foxdale will go up? They've not, they've not been beaten yet. They, yeah. they're, they're unbeaten in the league. They're still unbeaten in the league and they're going, obviously, towards towards promotion but it's getting to that time of year where that pitch be, becomes a, a lake isn't it so yeah they will lose points don't get me wrong they've you know they've got a great team great setup and great camaraderie so um when you get all that together yeah it's very hard to beat but once if they start losing one or two players i think they'll lose ongan they'll be there with that with a shout as well and i think that's it really do you? Well, mm. that's, that's interesting. You've still got, I think, Castletown and Castletown are there. I think they'll fade away. Do you? Do mm. you? And Colby have started to fade away, but then come back a little bit as well. You know, there's there's probably five or six teams there that could, I think. It all depends if, you, if you're if you missing players. All these yeah, teams yeah. are brilliant and they, and they deserve a shout. Wherever they are finishing the league, that's, I mean, I've got I've lost the first four games, but that's our fault. That's our fault we've lost them four. Uh, we could have easily won all, well, th- at least three of them, but yeah. we didn't. We didn't have the team. Um, and I'm sure the other teams have got players missing and injuries and all that so it's it's a level playing field yeah and have you seen any of the, the Premier League this year any of the, the local Premier League have you seen any of the first teams in yeah, that yeah I've, I've seen two um, uh, I went up to watch Corinthians uh, when we didn't have a game oh no that was the combi sorry uh, no I haven't actually you haven't, you haven't seen any no. of that so far no no, I was just going to see who you well, saw on that well, but... I saw them pre-season when Corinthians come here we, yeah. we got to be 3-2 and and St Mary's we got beat three two or St Mary's and we beat Braddon three two and then we beat Onken in the in the quirky up here, so we had a great pre season, but then it just all started a little bit go wrong. But we're back on track now. You're back on track. No, that's good, that's good. So we'll wrap that bit up and we'll go into the bit that everyone likes to talk about on this podcast. Right. Okay. It's a select seven. So I spoke to you the other day and I've asked you to pick your ultimate seven-a-side Manx footballing team. Seven players, okay, so mm-hmm. three of them, the rules are for this, as you know, three of them have to be playing still, Manx football. Three of them don't three. don't have to play Manx football anymore. Right. The, the goalkeeper can be from any era whatsoever, mm-hmm. so he can be playing or he can be a past goalkeeper. I've all about this, to tell you the truth. Yeah, and then um, the manager as well. Well, 
it's going to be hard for you, John, because I know you've played with a lot. So you want a goalkeeper? John Ward. Easy. There, there you go. So John Ward? Yeah, John Ward. Straight away. Do we, um, do we get a reason why, John? Um, I, I, I know why, but I'm going to ask you to tell everyone why. Well, in his day, he was very agile, very good, commanded the area. Um, I scored a couple of goals against him, but some of the saves, uh, you know, I remember a cup final where I think, how the hell did you get that? How the hell did you? But even when I played with him in the Ireland team, he was superb, really brilliant, good to be around, you know, had a mouth, had a voice, told you when you were wrong and threw a ball, he knew where, exactly where you were. So, Wardy without a brain. But there's been other good, good goalkeepers, don't get me wrong, uh, John Horbury, uh, Mac Mullen and all them, but uh, Ward stay, sticks out for me. So John Ward, John oh, Ward's definitely. your first pick. Definitely. Okay, so what we'll do, John, is I will go now, we'll go for the outfield players, okay? We'll do the current player, so someone who's still playing, and then we'll do someone who's not playing anymore, okay? Right. So, who's your first current player that would get into your ultimate seven-a-side team? So, I'll, I'll go with all boys. You don't, you don't have to go with all boys, it can be anyone. No, I might upset them, so I might I might just go with other people other than all boys. Good thinking, yeah, so... Because there's plenty out there. Uh, other, Well, I'll take them from my under-18s team. Teen and Garvey. Teen and Garvey. Teen and Garvey. Absolutely superb player. Lovely, lovely kid. Um I've, I've coached him since he was eight, all the way through. He's in the FC Isle of Man. He's had his little trial at Everton. He's just got us. He's just got the vision. He's cheeky. He can pull. He's got everything. And that, that, it's that simple. That's yeah. why he gets in. It, yeah. it is that simple. Kyle Watson, he's been in and out my team. He was. He came back for the under-18s. He's with Royals now. He's another great little player. He's got, he's got everything as well. And another one that's in the FC Isle of Man team as well. Yeah, and probably one of... And I'm keeping that the under-18s... Probably, I'll pick one that wouldn't sign for my under-18s team. Charlie Higgins. Little Charlie Higgins. He's got the best left foot. He's got everything. Cheeky. Right. Been in the FC Alleman team, been out. He's he, back He's back in there now. He played. He came off the bench at the weekend for them. Right. So so he's back. He's, he's, he's one of these players, I think he, I think it's fair to say he's a bit of a yo-yo player with them at the moment. He's in, he's out, he's in. Um but yeah, no, they're, they're three. Three 18s, instead of me mentioning Pinny and Baines and all, I'm going for the three three young 18-year-olds, so I'm not upsetting anybody. And and yeah, that's fair enough. And, and you've missed some good players out there as well, I'm, I'm sure that you've coached. You know, oh. Just mentioned Pinny there, Baines there. Yeah, well, I'm keeping them out. If I keep the under-18s and youth, then I'm not upsetting anybody. No one's covering an egg no. in your windows tomorrow no. morning then, are they? Not, no, no, no. Not yet, no. Okay, so let's move on, John. Who are your three players that don't play anymore that make it into your team? Well, you did say about a manager, and Sam Kenny was my manager, and he's probably the best player yeah. ever, ever in Manx football, as far as I'm concerned. Um, he had everything. But he was my manager as well. So if I put Sam to one side, yeah. now I've got a lot of players to, to, to pick from, absolutely loads. So I won't pick anybody from gyms that I've played with because I've got the likes of Albert Harrison, Nicky Gerrard, Sam Kenny, Bassey, um, all them. I'll pick three that um, John Palmer we've mentioned John Palmer earlier on he could have been a pro I played with him up front a couple of times and I just immense he was immense I remember watching him when I was a kid and John was just another level wasn't he He's... yeah uh, the other one is my brother I would have I played with him at Pulley me yeah. Palmer and 
And now Brian up front, um, he's another beast of a man. Yeah. Um, absolutely tremendous player. Couldn't. I'm only mentioning him now because he's he, going to have this on repeat. You know, he he, he's, this is this is going to be on repeat. This you giving him praise for once. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, that's only once. That's it. I mean, I could have put picked uh, uh, Rick put, Holden. I uh, could have picked Gareth Jones, Nigel Shimon, Basil Kelly, but. Um, I will pick one of the best players and I'm picking the people who have played up front I miss him back because he played for James um, a guy called Neil Shim from Russian his son plays for Russian now Chris yeah Chris yeah he was probably I played with him in the Ireland team and, and he died um, he actually broke his leg and I went to see him in the hospital and he was smoking in the hospital Running around, I don't know whether you know him. No, I don't. I don't. He played with Gareth Jones. It was when I first came to the Isle of Man and Russian were the best team. Yeah, by far, Gareth Jones and all that. And it was the it was the the connection between Gareth Jones and Neil Shimon. Them two were superb. And then I signed for James, and we absolutely destroyed them in every game. Yeah, every game he played. The first team talk was hit Horbury the keeper, hit Jones. Nicky Gerrard had to hit Jonesy, and uh, Albert had to hit Horbury. We had to bully them, they were that good. We bullied them and they made mistakes. They were superb. But you couldn't bully Neil Shimon. He played up front for the Isle of Man team. Probably, he's not underrated because he played in the Isle of Man, probably one of the best players I've ever played with. He was skinny, little, skinny, tall yep. actually. But he, do you know, no matter where I ran off the ball, he found me. We played against Stoke and uh, it's the game I scored a, a goal. He laid three on for me, and I missed sitter after sitter after sitter. Then I got one, but he was superb. He was he wasn't he was unselfish, uh, but he was a hard man. I remember Tabs Tier from Castletown trying to nail him, and he give him give Tabs that. I mean Tabs Tier was a great footballer. You wouldn't want to play against him every week. And Shim um, gave it to him off the ball, and Tabs said, "You know I deserve that." Yeah, fair play to you. You know you you've done that. Yeah. So that that's your team. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they they're your six players. Okay, is Sam Kenny managing them? Is he? Yeah, I, I have to have Sam Kenny managing them. Although um, Gareth Jones managed me in the Isle of Man team, but I also had Bob Stoko with with, and I've left Bob Stoko out, Sunderland manager, who came across to manage the Isle of Man team, and um, he was so nice. Some of his team talks I still remember, but I've got to have Sam Kenny in there. Um, he was. As you know, my best mate. Yeah. I was his best man. He was my best man. And I think most of the Ireland man from our generation would say Sam Kenny was probably one of the best footballers in the Ireland man. Yeah. And you know what? Like, what a guy he was as well. You know, always had time for everyone. He was, he was, he's always a great guy. And his knowledge base as well. He was so knowledgeable about football. You know, I only knew Sam for a short period of time. I didn't know Sam very well, but I got to know him through coaching. And Sam's knowledge of football was just something different. He'd always, it. you didn't have to know the modern game. Sam just knew football. Yeah, totally agree, Dean. I can remember playing um, down gyms. It was, I think the score when I had half time was 2 2. And he was doing his team talking. He was trying to get an Albert was talking. And he, he threw a hot cup of tea over Albert, and holy war broke out in the change room at half time. But by time full time came, we'd won seven two, and then two were hugging each other and saying sorry. And yeah. all that. 
Sam didn't pull prisoners, didn't say, you know, didn't like um, pussyfoot around. He told players, you know, if you weren't, Bassey got told, I got told, Alva got told, Gary Blackburn, Vinny, anybody who stepped out of line and didn't play the way we were supposed to play, they got rollicked. And um, in the end, you, you sort of like knew we had our interested heart. Yeah. I've got old boys interested heart. I've stopped the bullying. There's no bullying. There's no bad. Robbie Ward stands up and has a say. JJ stands up and has a say. Kinga, we're all one team. You can say whatever they want. I'm not like here to... to um, Dictate. No, no. We're a team. And we've, be, we've been brilliant all year. I can't, honestly, I can't, I can't understand where we are in the league. But if you don't win the games... That's where you are. Yeah, you've got to score the goals, haven't you, to get the points? Yeah. You know, goal, goals make points. That, that's football. Yeah. Goals make points, don't they? It's that simple. Yeah. And you, you, you've been honest. You've said you're not scoring enough goals to get, and that's probably why you are where you are. Um, but no, it's it's been a good chat so far, John. But it, I can't not have you on this podcast, okay? After the FA Cup draw the other week, Newcastle Sunderland, mm-hmm. we've got to talk about it. Well, Newcastle are the biggest team in the world. Everybody knows that. You see, if you're a Sunderland fan, you just support Sunderland. Now, when you play for Newcastle, it's it's every team that they're, they're trying to but they tried to bully Everton the other day and hit the goalkeeper. Then they tried to bully Spurs and all that. And the manager's starting to lose it now. Um, I think we'll beat them. Uh, we beat Leeds last night. Um, we beat West Brom last week. So we're the, we're the best footballing team in the Championship, but we haven't got any bullies in there. Like Newcastle are just full of bullies. They bully yeah. every team. Um, they've got Gordon, who's a great player. Newcastle are a good team, but if it doesn't go their way, they haven't got a second plan. They haven't got a, a backup plan. Where Sunderland, Sunderland just played the same way all the way through. Yeah, uh, we will beat them. You will beat them, will you? Yeah. yeah. And have you got the best Bellingham? Uh, no. No, no, you haven't. No, no. You'll admit that one. No, no, he's superb, isn't he? I've yeah. never seen a young player like him before. No. And his brother's just as, not as good, sorry, just as talented. Just as talented. Yeah. Um, so we'll wrap this up, John, with one final thing. You're playing Colby on Saturday. Score prediction, come on. Well, um, I don't normally do this, but just let the best team win. Let's just see after afterwards. I don't want to get them all riled up and think, do you hear what that... Arsenal said on the on the radio there he's going to beat us no we're a couple of players missing on Saturday I'm pulling a couple of players out of the combi they'll do a good enough job I've got our Carl doing all the tactics going through everything I've got Robbie Ward back hopefully I might have Drew back um, uh, I haven't got Craig back he's still injured got a few injuries but that's no excuse we've got the team Colby could have a few injuries last time we played them 2-1 I thought we were the better team but we shook hands and said, well done. All right. Cheers, John. Thanks for your time, mate. Uh, have a good rest of the season. Have a good Christmas with the family and that. I'm sure I'll see you before that and I'll hear from you. So cheers for your time, mate. All right. And all the best to you, man. Thanks Cheers, very John. Much. Cheers.